0: well we started our series two weeks ago called the gospel series and we're going to go through a few weeks of understanding the gospel of jesus christ the finished work of christ the fact that you are alive this morning the fact that god wants you to be alive with him can you say amen so 1 john 5 verse 4 this morning we're looking at the overcoming gospel for whatever is born of god overcomes the world and this is the victory that has overcome the world our faith who is he who overcomes the world, but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? So the Gospel is not only a good Gospel, our first week we started, but it's also an overcoming Gospel, because whatever is born of God, overcomes the world. The Bible says that... We are anointed. We are filled with the Spirit of God to preach good news to the poor. The gospel is a good gospel. The gospel is a good news message. Amen. About a good God. Amen. To people to understand that we're not yet to preach a gospel about a God who is a bad God or to people that are bad people. For all of sin, the Bible says, and all fall short of the glory of God. But we are spiritful and we are anointed to preach good news to the poor because the gospel is good news. Can you say, Amen, this morning? But the opposite of the Gospel is also an overcoming Gospel. It's not just a good Gospel, it's an overcoming Gospel. The Bible says that whatever is born of God overcomes the world. So the opposite will also then apply. Whatever is not born of God then does not overcome the world. Because the Bible said wherever is born of God overcomes the world. So if you're not born of God, like I wasn't born of God until 31 years ago when I got radically saved and God entered my life, the the Gospel of Jesus Christ entered my heart. My heart of stone became a heart of flesh. I was raised religious. I went to church. I read my Bible, didn't understand it, was confirmed in my religious system. I don't criticize it, but my heart was closed to God. I was not born of God, amen. I was in a religious system, but the Bible says only whatever is born of God. There are many whatever's here this morning. There are many whoever's here this morning. And the Bible said, whatever is born of God overcomes the world. That is why the Gospel demands a response. You know, whenever you hear the Gospel, it's always going to give you an option. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For a good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Whenever someone hears the gospel, it always demands a response. We worshiped in that song this morning. I will. He won't let us down. I will not be shaken. Why? Because I've built my house on the rock. But you can also build your house on the sand. The Bible says those that reject the gospel build their lives on sand. Those that believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ build their lives on the rock. So the gospel always demands a response. You can never leave the presence of hearing the gospel without needing to make a decision. Either or, says the Bible. Amen. And it's not something to fear because the gospel is a good gospel. Amen. It's trying to help you to understand that the God of this universe is a God of love. Amen. He's a good God. and He wants who you what? The goodness of God leads us to repentance. Can you say amen this morning? So I want to overcome or I don't want to overcome. That's the options we have. And I know that everyone sitting in this place this morning, those watching me online this morning, I know none of us want to be overcome. We all want to be be overcomers. Can you say amen this morning? You see the Greek word for overcome is nike or Nike. I mean the world uses it as a sports brand, but it's actually a Bible word, did you know that? Nike, nike, the word overcome. It means to subdue, it means to have success. So if you look at the gospel message, the gospel message is one big message of rooting you on to say, hey, every day of your life, the gospel is for you. It's saying you have to overcome all your circumstances in the natural. Look what Jesus said in Luke 4.18. He said, for the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. So the Gospel is an overcoming message for poor people. It's to tell you that if your identity is in poverty, the Gospel comes to change it. The Gospel says you can change that mindset of poverty, amen. And you can become what, a blessed human being. You can become a contributor to society. So although the government is doing their best in so many ways to try and create jobs and do those kinds of things, but the Bible says the church of Jesus Christ who has the baton and the mandate of the gospel is the most creative message given to humanity. It is a message that changes a human heart. I mean, the hospitals can do a heart transplant in the natural to keep your physical body alive, but the gospel does a spiritual heart transplant that makes you see things you've never been able to see before. You were unable to see things because I hasn't seen ear hasn't heard nor entered the heart of man the things that God has laid up for those that love God but they're revealed by the Spirit and God is Spirit And the true worshippers worship, it means spirit. But until you are not born of God, the Bible says you're only going to see everything naturally. You're going to see natural only. You're going to live in a world where you have to try and overcome with your degree or your skill or your talent or your acumen or your personality or whatever it might be. You're going to try and live a life of overcoming in the natural. But the Bible says the minute you are born of God... The Bible says you get a new heart, you get a new spirit and God's spirit now speaks to you. When you lie in bed at night and you have a dream, God is busy guiding you and leading you. When you walk in the cool of the day or in the heat of the night or the heat of the day, the Bible says God's spirit is leading you because the gospel message has changed your heart because you are an overcomer in Christ Jesus. Can you say amen this morning? So the Bible says what He's anointed us to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the broken-hearted. Notice it's an overcoming gospel. It's a gospel that wants to take a person with a broken heart and wants to make your heart whole. Because every human at some point in their life will have their heart broken. And the Bible says when you hear the gospel, it's an overcoming gospel. It might, not, it might not be nice now, but it's not going to remain that way. The Bible says to proclaim liberty to the captives. You might be captive this morning in some area of your life. You might be captive in your mind. You might be captive in your habits, in some substance abuse, whatever it might be. You might be captive in your thoughts. You might be captive in some area of your life. But the Bible says the Gospel is an overcoming message. The Gospel is a message to set at liberty those who are captive. The Gospel is a message that breaks open prison doors. The Gospel is a message that lets you walk out into freedom because whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Can you say Amen this morning and give Jesus a shout of praise all over this place. Come on. The Gospel is an overcoming Gospel. And recovery of sight to the blind. Maybe you've lost your vision this morning. Maybe you've lost your way. The Bible says when you hear the gospel, God is going to lead you. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. There are many ways that might seem right to man. But the Bible says the end of many of those ways will lead to destruction. But Christ comes along and He says, I am the way. The gospel, Christ is our message. And only when you are born of God and your heart changes, the Bible said, can God lead you for the first time. Religion can't lead you. Our intellect might give you a certain amount of victory because the Bible says many people are overcome. I've seen rich people be overcome because they have too much money. I've seen poor people be overcome because they've got no money. Every human being is subject in some shape, form or size to be overcome. But the Bible says only those that are born of God, they shall always overcome no matter what their circumstances are. Amen. Because it's the gospel. And He says to set at liberty those who are oppressed So Jesus is very concerned and He's very invested in your natural world, overcoming all the natural challenges and circumstances you will face in life. But where does the overcoming power of God begin? Well, the Bible says we need to be born of God. The Bible says to overcome this world, the Bible says a new birth is required. So many people have issues with that. Whatever is born of God. Now notice, the Bible doesn't say whatever is born of man overcomes. All of us in this place this morning are born of man. A mother and a father, whatever channel you got onto this planet, you got here through a man and a woman. You got here through the natural birth. But the Bible says that does not give us the victory. The Bible says that does not guarantee us overcoming on this earth. Like I said earlier, I've seen many people with many decrees. I've seen many people with many uh, success attributes in the natural still being overcoming some areas of their life. I've seen many pe- poor people identify with poverty and think that's their destiny. But the gospel message is what? That all of us have sinned. All of us have fallen short of the glory of God. And that's why every human being, Despite your colour, your culture, your creed, your background, whatever it is, every human being needs to be born of God in order for them to overcome. Can you say amen this morning? So the Bible doesn't say whatever is born of man. All of us are born through our parents, but we have to be born of God to overcome, amen. And it's only the Gospel, that through faith in the Gospel message, that God's power works in the hearts of man. Notice Romans 1 16. For I'm not ashamed of this good news about Christ, So many people are ashamed of their faith. They're ashamed of the gospel. They're ashamed of the name of Jesus. Look around the world today and you'll see mankind trying to remove the Bible from every facet of life. You'll notice people are trying to silence the church. They're trying to silence the voice of Christians. So you can't be a Christian that is silent, but you can't be a bony, judgmental finger pointing your bony finger at people misrepresenting the gospel of Jesus Christ, telling every single person how bad they are. Oh, the Bible says all of us are born into Adam. All of us require saving. All of us have made a mistake somewhere in our life. We need to be good news gospel preachers to tell people how to get out of their prison and into a place of freedom. Come on, if you believe that this morning, give Jesus a shout of praise all over this place this morning. Amen. Notice the Bible said, it is the power of God at work saving everyone who believes. The Gospel is a saving Gospel. It's a message that takes you from a place where you feel trapped, from a place where you feel oppressed or depressed. It's a a message that breaks open prison doors, but it is the power of God at work. If you want God's power to work in the hearts of your children or your unsaved husband or your unsaved family members, don't preach judgment, don't preach legalism, preach the Gospel of Jesus Christ. The Bible said it's the Gospel that goes to work in the hearts of people. It's the Gospel, amen, to the Jew first and also for the Gentile. Every single person is welcome under the Gospel message. All are welcome. All colours, all cultures, amen. There is no exception. You don't have to try and earn your way into salvation. You don't have to try and crawl and grovel to get to God. All you have to do is say, I believe. I believe in the Gospel message. And the Bible says God goes to work in your heart. That's how simple this message is. Are we complicated? We're we overcomplicated. Paul at one time writes to the church and he says, Why have you overcomplicated the simple message? Why have you gone back to all of these rules and regulations and all of these requirements to get to God? He said, all you have to do is just believe. 1 John three twenty three, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, amen, and the love that He has for you and love your neighbor as you love yourself. That's what the Bible says. Believe in love is the new law He writes on our heart. I would pass the Bible says, God writes His laws on our heart, the laws of Moses. No, He does not write the Ten Commandments on your heart, amen. The Bible says what? That Moses came from Levi, Christ comes from Judah. And Hebrews says, therefore, if there is a new lineage, a new priest in Judah, then there must be a new law. Because the law came through Levi, the Ten Commandments. But now there's a new law through Judah, the Lion of the tribe of Judah. And he says, a new commandment I give unto you, what? That you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and that you love your neighbour, what? As much as he first loved you. There's no requirement for you to love God first. Oh, the Bible said He loved you 2,000 years ago. All you have to do is believe in the love from 2,000 years ago. And as you do it, the Gospel will go to work in your heart this morning. Come on. I believe this morning that is some good news for someone here today. There is nothing that can separate us from God's love. Amen. It's the Gospel. It's good news this morning. He says what? He says, this good news tells us how God makes us right in His sight. Listen, not how God makes us wrong. You can't be more right than righteous. And you can't be righteous by your own works. You can't become righteous through your own deeds. I told us for the last few weeks, I've been telling us, if you look at the context of your gospel, there's two sides to your gospel. There's two messages to Jesus' ministry. The one message He speaks to Jews who are under the law and He speaks to them in the context of their Jewish understanding of righteousness. Their context was there to obey the law of Moses. And so every time when Jesus comes along, they've got this challenge. This man comes from Judah and he's a hypocrite because why? Only Levites could minister the sacraments of Moses. Only Levites could forgive people of their sin. Only Levi's could do these things, and here comes this man, and he's helping people to take their mats and walk, he's opening up blind eyes, he's forgiving people of their sin, and the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the religious ones, die jene wat, ek is, ek is, ek is, aangeneem, voorgestel, wat is die ding, ek weet nie, ek sê in en die in die kerk, persoonlijk het my wit das, ek is oudelang in die kerk, ek weet van hierdie goed, want ek is dier die stelsels van godsdienst, I was there, I used to steal the wine when my friends ran out of booze. This guy. That's how unsaved I was. But I was in the church. Why? Because my heart was not awoken to the gospel message. I was busy with religion. I make a joke about it sometimes. It's not actually a joke. I used to steal the wine, literally. I used to tell my friends, listen, we needed alcohol for the weekend. We didn't have money. So I said, I'll put my hand up for an altar boy. I think I was the oldest altar boy in the history of our church. But I went there. And when the minister was putting on his robes and he his belts and all these things, I was packing wine into the, into the backpack so we could get drunk on church wine. And believe me, said And the Bible says, "Now become drunk in the spirit. And not drunk with his natural wines. Pastor, you're saying we shouldn't drink wine. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Jesus turned water into wine. Work out your salvation. The Bible says, "Have a glass of wine, just don't have the, the vineyard. Amen. Otherwise, you're going to walk around doing stupid things in society. Don't do those things. Amen. Or you're going to start saying things on Facebook you're going to regret the next morning. So don't have too much wine. Amen. But the Bible says don't be religious neither. Listen, this good news, he says, tells us how God makes us right in his sight. The gospel message is a message to tell people you are going to be made right with God. Not wrong with God. God's not trying to kill you. God's trying to save you. For God so loved the world that He gave us what? His only begotten Son. That whomsoever shall believe in Him, believe, believe in love. The the Lord's on your heart shall not perish but have everlasting life. He did not send His Son, verse 17, to condemn the world. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. It's the enemy that condemns you. It's a misunderstanding of the gospel message that brings condemnation to your heart. Very often the enemy is like these, you know these tele-sales people that I tell my wife all the time, don't answer their calls. It's these people that try to flog you something that you already have. They're intruding your privacy. They're intruding your space. They, you're minding your own business and suddenly the guy comes as a, as a, as a, as a salesman covered in something. And he goes, hi, my name is so-and-so and so i am phoning from so-and-so and I want to know, do you want this and that? And that's what the enemy often does. He intrudes into your faith, into your salvation, and He tells you to sell you something that you, that you buy into eventually. You buy into the lie that you're not good enough. You buy into the lie that you still have to try and fix yourself up after you have been perfected through Christ's blood on Calvary. Amen. You buy into the lie that you're not good enough for God. You buy into the lie that you can lose your salvation. You buy into your lie that God's trying to kill you. God says what? We've been made alive together with Him. And so we don't have to fall for the lie. It's like the enemy. When Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden, the Bible says that they were perfect in Christ. They were perfect in God because Christ was with God in the beginning. It's a, it's a type and a shadow of our, our new place in heaven. We are now seated in heavenly places with Christ. But the Garden of Eden speaks of that place. They were naked and unashamed because there's intimacy. There's there's no there's nothing to hide. There's no mask so many Christians walk around with Christian masks because they never heard the true gospel of Jesus Christ. They think they have to live these perfect lives. And it's the furthest thing from the truth. He is perfect. There is one that died for us that is perfect. You and I will never be perfect. And every time we fall short, the Bible says, we look to Christ nowhere else. We look to Christ's perfection. And the Bible says what? We are complete in Him. Are you here this morning? And sometimes the enemy comes to us like Adam and Eve and he says, hey, you guys aren't good enough in this position of rest and peace in the garden he says why don't you fix yourself up you need to still improve the perfect version of yourself and he says why don't you take of that tree and eat of that tree isn't amazing how many christians they they get born of god they are saved they are born again they died with christ they buried with christ They rose with Christ. They ascended with Christ. And they are seated in heavenly places with Christ. Go watch our series we did a few weeks ago. And yet they come along and they're in this place where they are with God, alive together with God. And the enemy comes with a lie like that salesperson. And he says, you're still not good enough in that place. The blood of Calvary was not good enough for you. You must still try and fix yourself up. And you have to remind the enemy every time he comes to lie to you to say, hey, I was not perfect, but I was made perfect by the one who is perfect. The perfect sacrifice of Christ. Oh yeah, this morning. I want to say to you, Christian, the gospel is a good gospel. I want to say to you, child of God, the gospel is a good gospel. If you are born of God, the Bible says what? You have a new identity. Can you say amen this morning? You have a new identity, amen. Because your identity precedes your destiny. Your identity precedes your destiny. So many people battle with a Christ identity. Who am I in Christ? What must I still do to try and get my way to God? Now, the Bible says your identity precedes your destiny. When I was born, 23rd of March, 19, Footsack. I'm a 60s baby, late 60s, just made it. When the Beatles were still a thing, it wasn't a thing crawling on your garden, on the lawn, it was a band. For those of you that don't know that, Elvis still shook his leg a little bit. Died a few years later. I was born with an identity. Freckled face. Roy think They used to call me Big Red at school because I had red hair, believe it or not. Hira was Roy. Orania. It was like orange. They used to call me Big Red because I had freckles and red hair. And I had an identity. The, the government of South Africa gave me an ID number. 690323, blah, 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 blah. The rest of it. I have an identity. I was born of man, of woman. You track my, my family tree. I am the son of Bernard and June Jeffrey. I have a family tree. They are the sons and daughters of their parents, and we can track our family trees. Love, a lot of us love to do that. Let's go to Ireland and let's go look for our ancestors. What can suki da? kan has rack rugby being his coat and his knot and his basel. But I, ooh, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a knosah. The Gnossas are better than the Zulus. We are more superior. And So I can learn your language a little bit. Ooh, pastor's now becoming a No, I can just learn your language. But I'm not born into that culture. And so we start to defend our culture. We start to defend our color. That person offended me. That white guy or that black guy. And we, we, ha, we have this identity crisis. Look at the world today. Until you're not born of God, you battle with your identity. Now we've got certain genders that think they're a different gender. And they grow long hair and put makeup on and they look weird. Why? Because until you're not born of God, you're going to try and adjust your identity. You're trying to find a place on this earth and you're not sure who you are. Because the Bible said, whatever is born of God, that overcomes. And now we've got people that are overcome with suicidal tendencies, people that are overcome with, 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 with low self-esteem because did you know you're not born with a self-image? Did you know that? You are only born with a God image. Genesis 1:27. let us make man in our image, in the likeness of God we were made. Yet we come along and we develop these self-images through what people say about us. Oh, you're a useless specimen. Oh, you might not have had a, a healthy home life or your father who was insecure in himself. Your father never knew his identity himself and your father broke you down. Maybe it was gender-based violence. You grew up in a, in a violent home and now you're starting to see the same traits come through you because you identify with your human family and you might go through different things. How many people, they live in poverty, they live in squalor, they live in terrible financial situations because they think that's how I was born. We were born into poverty. No, my brother. No, my sister. I want to tell you, the Bible says that the gospel is good news to the poor man. The gospel is good news to a broken heart. The gospel is good news to someone who is held captive in some place of their identity. And the Bible says you have to get a new identity in Christ. Are you here this morning? I was born. They tell me I'm from Irish blood. I couldn't give two continentals about that amen they drink Guinness what is that I know the Guinness book of records all these things we hold on to we hold we hold dear Paul says he says I was a Jew of the Jews he says I was of the stock of Benjamin he was from the tribe of Benjamin he says I studied at the field philog- of I was in UJ. I was in I was in what about it yes it gives you an engineering degree if you're in all four universities, you're all studying engineering, we're all gonna build the bridge after you've got your degree. Do you know that? But I defend my, oh, I'm from this political party, who I bank at this bank, who I've got a super duper, super duper, super duper card, I get into this place quickly because I've got money. I, whatever it is, I don't criticize it. But, but humans live this life of identification. Why? I, I wear brand clothes. I don't wear PEP fashions. No, I wear Gucci. Oh, well, I've seen that pair of jeans and that pair of jeans. This one's 10,000 rand. this one's 100 bucks. They both cover your legs. I'm not sure which one is nicer. But look, 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 makes me feel better. Well, it makes your bank balance get worse as well. Amen. And society is built, it's built for elitism. It's built for, for, you have a, a, a business class. You have a, a platinum this. You have a this. You have the cheap seats and the, and the VIP seats. And it's, The whole of society is built around trying to keep you on this hamster wheel of human identification. Your, your, your brands, your clothes. And the gospel comes. And he says to the rich. And he says to the poor. He says to the brokenhearted. And he says to those who are in a good space. He says, every one of us are born into Adam And he says, no matter how successful you are, Jesus comes and he says, no matter how much you build up of assets and and wealth and all these things, now they're not wrong. Just use them as as a tool to live your life. Don't get all bent and twisted about, God wants us to be poor. God doesn't like the prosperity gospel. Don't get bent and twisted. The gospel is good news to the poor. The gospel is good news to a broken heart. Rich people have broken hearts. Poor people have broken hearts. Humanity has broken hearts. But the Bible says it's only in the gospel message where there is a level playing field for everyone who will believe. Paul says, teach the rich not to be haughty, nor trust in uncertain riches. He says, teach the poor what? Not to think less of themselves. In the church of Jesus Christ, I'm so blessed sometimes. When I get to church, you see some ashes; they've got a red shirt on, and we know you don't know if that brother over there, he's, he's got a, a blue collar job, a white collar job, if he's got a degree or he's got no degree, but everybody has a place in the house of God. We can be a servant in the house of God. Oh yeah, this morning, it's the gospel message. And Paul writes and he says for years and years and years, he says, I had issues with the gospel. So much so that I hated Christians. If you are hating Christianity, guess what? It's a sign you're about to get saved. Because the Bible says, the more you hate Christianity, it's because God's already, He's knocking. And He's saying, hey, watch one of these days. Like me. I stood in church. My parents invited me. Chin, 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 chest moment. Um, this guy, why is he looking at me all the time? And I used to go home, tell my parents, why did you tell the pastor I'm coming to church? His message was just for me. I said, no, it was the gospel, my brother. Sometimes you think, that guy looked at me three times. I'll look down here then. But let the message of God flood your heart and your mind. It's the gospel. It's an overcoming gospel. And the first thing you have to overcome is yourself. Is that Adam nature in you that thing that thinks it's better than another piece of flesh and Paul says I got to a point in my life where I thought I was so great I thought I was I tried to defend Judaism I tried to defend my culture I tried to defend my intellect I tried to defend my social status and I got to a point on the road to Damascus when I encountered the gospel message of Christ and when I fell to my knees and I heard the gospel it took my heart of stone and he made it a heart of flesh he says I said God who are you he said it's Jesus what do you want me to do for you and he gave me a purpose and he put me in his kingdom he says now that i know him now that i know him and i see my life totally different he says i consider every human accolade of my past to be rubbish but to know him i want to know him not the church brand the band that's coming to town. I don't criticize it. It's all part, it's a jacket, it's shoes, it's, it's pants, it's all part of the clothing. I'm not against that. But I want to know Him. Do you know Him this morning? Do you know religion? Do you know some, some I've, got a, I've got a degree. I'm not against it. I've got a PhD as well. I passed high school with difficulty. I'm also educated like you. But God uses the foolish things of this world to confound I was minding my business quite nicely and then my parents got saved I don't know why they got saved my father was called by his name he sat in the balcony there top left of a service a young girl he was drunk one night and a young girl invites him or he was at a friend's house and the daughter was saved thank God for save save people amongst unsaved people you don't you don't be ashamed of the gospel if your parents are drinking or your friends your father's friends are drinking you invite them to church so she invites my dad to church. I drunk, you know, out of the mouth of babes come the truth. And out of the mouth of the drunk, it's three quarters of the truth. So when, you, when you're when you half drunk, you make promises. Like I used to marry, you know, offer, go out drinking at night. And then by the end of the night, I was proposing to the girl. Didn't know her. Met her three hours ago. Next morning, what are you thinking, Jeffrey? That's what the world does. I'm trying to find my place. I had a great conversation before the service with two dynamic young and up in black leaders in our, in our church and in our country. And we were talking a little bit about it. I said, our is so bright. I watched a thing this week about a young girl. She's six years old. Her name is Hallelujah. I don't know if you saw the post on social media. She was in a radio station. She's launched her own book this last week. She's six. And when they asked her, they said, to her, so what's your book about? She said, it's about a puzzle piece. She said, oh, yes. She said, what about the puzzle piece? She said, no, it's about a puzzle piece that's going around life, trying to find the place that it fits in. And I thought to myself, he yeah, a six-year-old girl, her parents are born again, she's a Christian girl. He has a six-year-old girl and she's helping adults who are 40, 50, 60, still trying to find their place where they fit in. And I say this to us this morning because the gospel is a place where you can fit in. The gospel is a place where every human being can fit in. There's a place in God's puzzle for you if you will just take the liberty to say, I believe. And so I want to say to us this morning, your identity precedes your destiny. Listen to what Paul says, 2 Corinthians 5, 16. He says, so we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. Listen to what your Bible says. Stop evaluating your brother and your sister from a human point of view. They have a new identity. At one time, he says, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. When you are not born of God, you see Christ as a fairy tale or Christ as a religious story. But until you don't know Him, you don't have a relationship with him, and he says, You're merely going to know him from a human point of view. He says, How differently we know him now. Verse 17 This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person, not an amended version of the old person. I didn't become Aiden 2.0, I became a new version, a new identity I was given, a Christ identity. Didn't know I would preach the gospel 31st of May 1992. I was minding my own business. I told you, my father got radically saved. My mother got saved. They preached the gospel to me. I ran for eight years. I ran from the gospel. But you can run from God, but you can't hide. Because the Bible says, when God found no one by which he could swear by, he swore by himself. That's why the Bible says, for God is looking for every single person to turn their lives into a relationship with him, to move away from religion like Paul. Paul was a religious Jew. And when he encountered the gospel, the Bible says his heart changed. And the first thing God does, he gives you a new heart. And that heart, the Bible says, is alive to Him. And even though you might still act as if you are not a Christian sometimes. Uh, yesterday, I see the world stopped and they, they celebrated the ascension of a human king to his kingly throne. Our, our king, he, he rose to his throne 2,000 years ago. And I don't criticize that, but I noticed that in that family, there's some family issues there. And one of the princes decided, he's, he's out, time out, I'm gone. He went to America, but yesterday I saw he was there. Wasn't part of the parade, but guess what? He can try and cancel his name on paper. He can try and run from his purpose, but when he walks into that country, he's born with the blood of royalty. And they will say, welcome Prince so-and-so. Now you and I are exactly the same. When you are born with Emmanuel's blood, when you are born from above, When you have royal blood inside of you, you can run from God, but when you come back into His presence, He'll say, hey, come here, you royal priesthood. Come here, you holy nation. You have a new identity in Christ. You are not an upgraded version of your old human self. You have a new identity in Christ. Amen. You are what? A royal priesthood. You are a co-laborer with Christ. You are a God-forgiven child of God. Come on. Jump to your feet this morning. Give Jesus one more shout of praise all over this place this morning. High five your neighbour and say, you have a new identity. And you can take your seats. Verse 17 says, this means that anyone, is there anyone out there this morning? Is there anyone out there? Yes, the Bible says what? Who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. Let me tell you this morning, a little bit of who you are as we close. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15:22, for as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. <laughs> Ephesians 2 verse 1, and you He made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked, according to the course of this world. Colossians 2.12 For we've been buried with Him into His death. Our baptism into death also means that we were raised with Him when we believed in God's resurrection power. You are a child of the resurrection power of God. The power that raised Him from death's realm. Listen, this realm of death describes our former state. For we were held in sin's grasp, but now... We've been resurrected out of that realm of death, never to return. For we are forever alive and forgiven of all our sins. You, there is not an eject seat in heaven for your seat. We are forever alive. He says He cancelled, notice, out every legal violation we had on our record and the old arrest warrant that stood to indict us. He erased it all, our sins, our stained soul. He deleted it all and they cannot be retrieved. Everything we once were in Adam has been placed onto His cross and nailed permanently. This There is a public display of cancellation. The cross is not a sign of condemnation. The cross is a sign cancellation he cancelled every one of our shortfalls oh yeah this morning so the greatest miracle any human can go through is the miracle of being made alive to God you might be made alive on the earth we celebrate many babies in the church we celebrate many birthdays in the church that we do we stop we pause we celebrate your life as as a person we don't try and minimize you but until you haven't been born of God, the Bible says you only have the ability to overcome in that natural identity. Until your heart hasn't been changed. Listen, Jesus said in John fourteen twenty seven, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart, there it is, be troubled, neither let it be afraid. John sixteen thirty three. these things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. God's not expecting you to overcome the world. He's expecting you to put your faith and belief in His overcoming victory, and then you will overcome. When you try to overcome by yourself, it becomes hard, becomes self-righteous. But when you put your faith in Christ's victory on Calvary, listen, so let me tell you a little bit this morning about who you are. You're a saint and not a sinner. You now, Heaven now identifies you as a saint and not a sinner. Romans 8:27. Now he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. You see, you are the righteousness of God. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. You are justified this morning. Romans 5, 18. Therefore, as though through one man's offense judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation. Even so, through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. You are delivered this morning. 2 Corinthians 1 verse 9. Yes, we had the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves but in God who raises the dead, who delivered us from so great a death and does deliver us and in whom we trust and He will still deliver us. You are more than a conqueror this morning. Romans 8:37. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors and gain. And over Overwhelming victory through him who loved us so much that he died for us. You are perfected and sanctified this morning. Hebrews 10:14. For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. You are blameless this morning. Colossians 1:21. And you who once were alienated enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he is reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above condemnation, reproach in his sight. You are anointed this morning. 1 John 2:20. But you have an anointing from the Holy One and you know all things. You are accepted this morning. Galatians 2 verse 16, but we know that God accepts only those who have faith in Jesus Christ. No one can please God by simply obeying the law. So we put our faith in Christ Jesus and God accepted us because of our faith. You are alive this morning, Colossians 2.13. And you who are dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with Him, having forgiven us of all of our trespasses. You are holy this morning, Colossians 2.3 verse 12. You are God's chosen people. You are holy and dearly loved. So put on tender mercy and kindness as if they were your clothes. Don't be proud, be gentle and patient. You are complete this morning, Colossians 2 verse 10. And you are complete in Him who is the head of all principality and power. You are forgiven this morning, 1 John 2 verse 12. I write to you little children because your sins are forgiven for His name's sake. You have a new Christ identity this morning. Jump to your feet all over this place and give Jesus a shout of praise for the overcoming Gospel of Jesus Christ. Come on, jump to your feet this morning. Stand on your feet all over this place and give Him a shout of praise. You are forgiven. You are complete. Come on, give Him a shout of praise. You are holy. You are alive. You are accepted. You are anointed. You are blameless. You are perfected and sanctified. You are more than a conqueror. You are delivered this morning. You are justified. You are the righteousness of God. You are a saint and no longer are you a sinner. Come on, that is some good news this morning. You are heaven bound. Hallelujah. What must I do? To be made right with God, the Bible says we believe. Every head, every eye closed this morning. Such a great presence of God this morning. You tell the enemy to shut his mouth. If you are a born-again believer this morning, you tell the enemy to shut his mouth. You listen to this message again and again. You get your new Christ identity. But the Bible says whatever is born of God overcomes. Maybe you're standing here today and you've never been born of God like I was. I was religious. I was confirmed in my church. But I was not born of God. You see, your religion can't save you. Your mother, your father can't save you. No human can save you. The Bible says it's only through faith and belief in the blood of Jesus Christ. Without the shedding of blood, the Bible says there can be no forgiveness of sin. And so Christ shed His blood 2,000 years ago for you. Maybe you're standing here today, forget your friend for a moment. Maybe you came to church with somebody and you're sitting somebody you say i wonder what they think forget what they think the bible says it's what god thinks about you you are loved this morning you are forgiven but the bible says without you making a decision in your heart you're always going to stay in your own human identity until you haven't said yes to christ by faith until you haven't put your faith in his shed blood the bible says what you can't put on righteousness i shared with us two weeks ago that it's like having a jacket it's nothing we have to do it's nothing we can do. The Bible says that it's the free gift. Christ first loved us, therefore we love him. In the Old Testament or in the New Testament, when they asked Jesus, what do you say about this or that? He said, well, the commandments are you must first love. You must first, you must first. That was the law. Now the Bible says what he first did, therefore we put faith in what he did. And so when we do that, we receive this jacket. He says, you, you put on Christ. It's like putting on this jacket. And when people come and say, hey, Where did you get that cool jacket? You say, man, I got given this jacket as a free gift. What did it cost you? Nothing. But how do I get that jacket? Well, you you must believe in this man's story and you get your own jacket. That's what salvation is. Salvation is I believe. If you're willing to say I believe this morning, the Bible says you'll be born again. I'm not asking you to join this church. I'm asking you to do nothing. I'm asking you just to put your faith in Christ. 1 John 3, 23. This is the new commandment, that you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. That finished work. And you love Him because He first loved you. And now with your new jacket, being clothed in Christ, you go and tell the world about this great message of how you were made right with God through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Every head, bow, every eye closed this morning. You're standing in this place saying, Pastor, that's me. I can't say with full assurance this morning that I'll end up in heaven. I'm much like you, Pastor. I, I'm religious this morning. I, I've I've gone through those same things you've gone through, but I can't say this morning that my heart is alive to God. I can't say that. I can't even say, Pastor, if I should die in the next 24 hours, I don't even know where I'd spend eternity. If that's you this morning. You have to be born of God. Don't, don't fear it. Don't, don't fight it. Don't run from it. Don't try, and, don't try and work it out. Just say, I believe. That's the simplest thing any human can do. It's the greatest message. I can't explain it to you. 31st of May, 1992, I sat in the chair. I was still sitting. The man didn't make a stand. And my mother, I remember she was still with me. And, they were looking like, Where's he gone? They thought I left the building. Meantime, I ran down to the front of the church. I heard the gospel. Eight years people tried to save me in their flesh and they couldn't. But I uh, behold, I stand at the door of your heart and I knock. I believe God's knocking on many doors in this place this morning. You standing in this place saying, Pastor, what must I do? The Bible just says, Believe. Believe on that finished work. And if you will believe this morning, the Bible says, God comes and He takes the greatest miracle known to humanity. He takes a heart of stone. A heart of souls, stony, persecuting, murdering heart. Did you know your Bible was written by, three quarters of your Bible was written by three murderers? Moses murdered a man. He wrote the first five books of the Bible. David arranged the murder of Uriah and he wrote all the Psalms. Paul arranged the murder of people. He wrote two thirds of your New Testament. If God can use murderers to preach the gospel, and he can use me, he can use anybody in this building. But it takes faith. Why? Because we know them as murderers in their old identity. But in their new identity, they are righteous. They are blameless. Thank you for listening to this powerful message. If your life was impacted in any way and you would want to connect to any of our CRC churches worldwide, then please go visit our website at crccapetown.co.za and click on the Plan a Visit tab. Thank you for listening.